0: God uh, wants to speak to us tonight. The title of my message tonight is, I Will Build My Church. These are the famous words of Jesus to the disciples. And it was him prophesying of something that they had no idea was on the horizon. A church that would be Jewish and Gentile. A body of believers that would span across generations and geographic locations. I want you to understand tonight that the church of the living God is the only impenetrable uh, organization. It's the only uh, organization, organism, may I say, that spans across uh, globes and and different, uh, you know, Empires have fallen, right? But the church still stands today. And this is because Jesus promised to build his church. I want to give you a little background. I won't take a lot of time to unpack it all. I'd love to. But in Matthew 16, our text tonight, Jesus took the disciples on a retreat to a place called Caesarea Philippi a beautiful region, about 125 miles away from Jerusalem, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And he brought them to this beautiful location because he had a purpose. Jesus was a masterful teacher. And any of the educators in the room tonight understand that some of the best ways to to teach your students is through illustration, illustration, object lessons, get them out into nature, or if you want to teach them science. And Jesus was a master for the greatest teacher who ever lived. And he had this retreat, I think, to get away from the bustling crowds and to have this time with his disciples so that he can teach them uninterrupted. And so they get to Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus begins his lessons to them with a question who do men say that I am? He asked them, who do men say that I am? And John being the, excuse me, Peter being the spokesman of the group would chime up. I think oftentimes the people would elbow Peter and say, you speak, you know, you're the one who can speak to him. And we don't want to give the wrong answer. Anybody been in a classroom setting and the teacher asked a question and you don't want to be the first to answer it? Or there's certain people who are bold enough just to answer and doesn't really care if that was Peter. He was the, act, the extrovert. So Jesus asks this question. He's setting them up because he's going to give them uh, some information. He's going to teach them something. But Peter replies to the question that some say that you, you're John the Baptist. And some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And as they unpack this, as Peter tells us to Jesus... No doubt, Jesus is just listening, shaking his head. And these were great men, right? But these were mere men. You see, each one of those answers, each one of them underestimated who Jesus was. They gave him a certain measure of respect and honor, but they were far, far short of honoring him for who he really is. I want to remind us tonight who he really is. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This week we are here to worship one name, the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And I'm telling you, church, we've lost sight of his majesty. We've, 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 lost sight of his glory. You know, his glory should be present in our lives. His glory should be present in the church. We should have a a awe of him. And, And this is what Jesus was going to press into with his disciples in just a moment. So Peter answers, they say you're John or you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asks another question to them. He says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you're the son of the living God. You're the, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now I want you to humor me for a moment. I know this is a, a, a familiar truth, but I want you to see he didn't just say he was the Christ. He didn't just say he was the Messiah. You see, if he'd have just kept it there, you know, you see right now, the conflict we see happening in the Middle East, you want to know what is at the root of that? Because you, you want to know the, the Arab nations are, are waiting for their Messiah still, as well as the Jewish state, many Jews. There are many Messianic Jews who do believe in Christ, but they, the, the heated battle over this land is because they believe that their Messiah is going to come somewhere in that region. And I want you to get this picture, but Peter says to him, he answers the question correctly. He says, you are the Christ, but he goes on a little further. He says, the son of the living God. He said, not only are you the Messiah, but you are God in the flesh. You are the son of God. Now in that culture, a son is not viewed as less than like we would in our culture in a sense. What what Peter was saying to Jesus here was that, He was indeed the one and true living God. And I want to remind us of that again tonight. The one whom we serve, the one who we call savior, the one whom we worship, the one whom we pray to at this altar, the one in which our hope of eternity is tied up into is that Jesus, the son of the living God. He will never fail. How many of you are just like me, you failed even today? I'm so thankful my salvation isn't dependent upon me. I'm so thankful that I couldn't lose it. I truly believe the Bible makes a strong argument for the security of our salvation. It's wrapped up in him. He's holding on to us. But what Jesus is, is uh, going to teach them in a moment is something that they, uh, they were not, prepared to they did not quite understand of what he was going to accomplish later on but but Peter gets the answer right he says you're the son of the living God and I want to remind us tonight who it is that we serve who it is that we worship tonight if you're disappointed in this room tonight I want to remind you that he's wonderful life will disappoint you people will disappoint you but he will never disappoint you if you're confused tonight. He is the counselor. Hey, you can go to him and you can bring anything to him and he has the answers. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're weak tonight, he is the mighty God. He has the power to handle anything that we'll face. He is the mighty God. If you're scared tonight, he is the everlasting father. When my kids get scared, you know, they run to my room and they want to be close to me. Um, and I remember one of our kids, they were going through a little phase where if they heard a loud noise outside when they were playing, a backfire, you know, of an engine or something, they would just run in the house full speed and cry and find me. And that would calm them down when they get close. And I want you to know. If you have fear tonight, if you're scared of the way things are going in the world, if you, you have that in you, I want you to know what you need to do is run to your everlasting father in Jesus. If you're worried, he's the prince of peace tonight. Bring it to him. That's why we say come to this altar, because he can handle it. He'll give you peace. He'll take that worry, and he'll replace it with his peace. Peace I give you, not as the world gives it. The world can't, the world didn't give it to us. The world can't take it away from us tonight. Peace. If you're hungry tonight, he's the bread of life. If you're thirsty tonight, he's the fountain of living water. If you're blind tonight, he is the light of the world. If you're lost tonight, he is the way. I want to talk to you tonight. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, come to Jesus tonight. Don't put it off. I'm telling you, things are getting crazy because the end is near. And you don't want to be caught without Christ as your Savior. You don't want to pass into eternity. I shared with you guys last night about that dear lady in the hospital. And I got the text this morning that she's in eternity. She passed away last night. She's in the presence of Jesus. And one of the things about pastoring is you deal with life and death all the time. And it makes you aware of the brevity of our lives it makes you aware that it isn't worth to hold the grudge because someone who you love could be here Monday and not here Saturday. I I want you to get this, and and it also gives us an urgency when we uh, go uh, and share the good news, when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because this crowd is much different than it was even three years ago. I was thinking about saints that have gone on. So if you're here tonight without Christ, we want to encourage you to open your heart to him. He loves you. What we sang about a moment ago, the blood he shed, his blood for your salvation, for my salvation. He's already paid the price for our sin. And all he's wanting from you is to open your heart and faith, to trust on him and him alone. If you're lost tonight, he is the only way. He is the only way to salvation. If you're confused tonight, he is the truth. You want to know why there's such an attack in our culture on truth? Because he is the truth. And this is what the devil does. He's a liar and he tries to confuse people. He tries to uh, manipulate people. And I want you to get this. The attack that we're seeing in our culture on truth, the foundational things. uh, It is because we have an enemy who's a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. But if you are confused tonight about anything, Go to Jesus. He can give you the truth. He'll give you the answer. If you're dying, he is the source of life everlasting. The truth of the matter is we are all dying men. I'm a dying man preaching to dying men and women. But you know, I don't fear death. You want to know why? Because I know the one who is life. (laughs) When I was just a nine-year-old boy, I heard the good news that Jesus loved me that he went to Calvary for my sin. He shed his blood on that cross for me. And he rose from the grave three days later. And he lives today. And because he's conquered death, if I place my faith in him, that I will have eternal life. And I want you guys to remember this. Never get over your salvation. Go back to Calvary. Remember what God has done for us. So when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, was that a loaded statement to say the least? But he goes on. And Jesus commends him for his right answer. <laughs> he said, you're blessed, Peter. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. And then he goes on. He says to Peter, he says, you are Simon Barjona or you are Peter or Petros, little rock. <laughs> And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want to spend just a few moments unpacking this. Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church. Now, this is the first mention of this word in this context church. Now, I want you to just understand what they follow me for a moment. A church is a called out body. Uh, called out assembly a, a distinct assembly and so when jesus said to peter i will build my church i want you to notice a few things he said that he would do so in the future you guys understand that we are the fulfillment of that jesus had not yet gone to the cross he had not yet shed his blood he had not yet made the final sacrifice so he says it in the future tense i will build my church And he declares that it is his church. I want you to see, he says, it is my church. He declares ownership over the church. And I want you to get this tonight. Because he lives, because he owns the church, we are all but invincible. Now you say, Pastor, well, I hear about churches and people, you know, being martyred. I hear about, you know, the underground church in China when the communist finds out about them, they put them in these prison camps. And, you know, I've heard about, you know, dictators throughout the history who tried to snuff out the church and Christianity. And I've heard about all these, you know, these disastrous things seemingly that's happened to the church, but the church keeps progressing. I want you to get the picture. Even this week, we've seen people baptized. We've seen people saved. You know that what that is? That is the church progressing. That is Jesus building his church. That is people going from death to life. That is Jesus keeping his promise. Why? Because we're his church. We're his people, not the churches. And like I said, it isn't just uh, these four walls. It's, it's the people and the church is global. The church is across uh, the, the, con- the the continents. And I want you to just get this picture. Jesus said, this is my church. I will build my church. And he goes on and he says this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades. Now I want you to understand what he's speaking about, our Lord. Uh, One commentator put it this way, that the gates of hell could be described as all the power and policy of hell combined. All the policy and power of hell combined will never prevail against the church of the living God. Jesus is the son of the living God. We are the church of the living God. I want to encourage us. I think sometimes we don't understand who we are. (laughs) You know, when you understand who you are in Christ, it emboldens us to stand before darkness. We can cast out demons. We could speak to the darkness. We can call down heaven. We can have the authority in the spirit to do what God has called us to do. Ministry could take place. I'm telling you, if, if we would have the boldness to know who we are in Christ. But I think many Christians, we have identity crisis. <laughs> we think, God, oh, God, I'm just, I'm just afraid of this and afraid of that. And, and we, we live in fear. That's what the enemy does. He, he, that's why he's a roaring lion. He's trying to intimidate us. Let me tell you, I've experienced it. I remember just a few months back. Sitting, talking with a a friend of mine and just just honestly just trying to give him some spiritual direction. And a a lady, a homeless lady, probably high off of some type of drug. She comes and sits. We're at Chipotle in Lancaster, sitting on one of those little outside benches. And I'm talking to him and I'm just trying to pour into him. And she comes, she sits right next to us. and She starts saying, no, that's not true. (laughs) Oh, what are you talking about? Oh man, get out of here. Just, just really loud and disruptive. And I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> it was demonic. I looked her in the face. I said, ma'am, what is it that you need? Can I help you? And she wouldn't look me in the eye. And that's when I knew. You see, the demon, like, hey, I'm nothing special. I'm I'm just the child of the king. And I want you to understand something. Tonight, church family, we don't have to fear. Uh, the The devil and all the power and policy of hell, because of who we belong to, greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world and I'm telling you you will not fail if you go in the power of the Spirit of God if you're doing ministry for his glory i'm telling you you will experience victory i, I I'm telling you we've got to get back to owning our identity in christ we are the church of the living god he said i will build it that means he is going to progress the church the church will keep marching forward i want you to understand the picture here too the illustration jesus is given is that the church is like a military unit this is not a cruise ship for the saved this is a battleship oh i'm telling you We're a battleship, and at the helm of that battleship is none other than Jesus, and he's going to get us to our expected destination, but in the meantime, we still have battles to fight. And what we're here doing over the next several days is we're we're fighting. We're doing war. We're, we're in that prayer room today. We're praying. We're pulling down heaven. We're asking God for our nation. We're asking God to uh, break the strongholds in the church. We're asking God to do what only he can do. And that's because we are the church of the living God. His spirit is within us. And he said that we would do greater scope of works. He said that we would do what he did. And I know sometimes it seems like we don't see that manifest. We don't see it as much. And I'm the first to admit to it. I want to see more of his power in my life. And God reminded me that I have to, to to understand who he is and depend upon him. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He's promised that we would win the victory. He's promised us. Now, as we know, our culture is hell bent, literally hell bent on coming against the truth of God's word. You guys want us to understand our role in society, in the world is to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I want you to understand that this isn't a A a building with many pillars in a sense, but you've seen a building uh, where there are pillars that hold up the the ceiling, right? You see the pillar and then the ground, the foundation uh, is is what we at the church or who we are. We are the pillars that hold up society, that hold up uh, this nation. I want you to understand this nation. The reason why we haven't completely imploded is because of the church, because of the remnant. I want you to understand that. But we are the pillars that hold up the truth of God's word. And we are the foundation. This nation we know was founded upon biblical principles. And this is why this experiment that the world had had never seen before has worked for as long as it has. But and now we're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing it disintegrate. Why? Because the truth has been, been taken hits at the truth and the church. We haven't defended it in a spiritual sense. We've compromised, and I want you to get this tonight. Each and every one of us, we have a ministry, we have a calling. You know, this church is only as strong as the weakest link. And I, I understand this more and more. We need every one of us to be to be operating in the fullness of what God has for us, and we've got to understand that we are a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We are a part of the church of the living God. And that should affect how we live. That should affect what we do. That should affect us every single day of our lives. This isn't something that we can take or leave, okay? If you're saved tonight, you are a part of this. And I want to encourage you to walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ. He says to Peter, I'm going to Build my church upon me and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Tonight, church family, I want to encourage us. Encourage us to understand that we will see the victory. The victory has already been won. Jesus is already victorious. (laughs) Amen. And let that embolden us. To, to keep fighting the good fight. You know, every year I hear, you know, ministries, churches closing down, friends of mine who once were on fire for God, you know, drifting. And, and it, uh, it's sometimes it's discouraging. And I can't help but think it, it had to be a slow decline. It had to be usually people don't wake up that morning and make a, a, a drastic change like that. And I can't help but think maybe it's because they lost sight of the end of it. They've lost sight of, the, of our purpose. And I want to encourage us, church family, that we would see eternity tonight. Just ask God to show you eternity, even at this altar. See the day when you and I stand before him and ask him to give us the grace to finish strong. To keep on fighting the good fight, to not let the enemy discourage us. This is why this is so important. We come together and we encourage each other. I'm encouraged by you all. i I need you more than you know it. I just want to Tell you guys that and you need each other. You need you need me. We need each other in the church. God, he has he has designed it so that we would do this together. This isn't a single person type of sport. <laughs> this is us together. It's me and you and we're fighting together. We're fighting a common enemy, right? And we will know that the enemy is defeated and we will win. We just got to keep fighting, keep fighting. When your day comes, will you be able to say what the Apostle Paul said? I have fought a good fight. I had, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Often throughout Paul's life, he talked about the end. He talked about going to be with Christ and being faithful to him. That's what I want us to be church. But I want to remind you tonight who we belong to We belong to Jesus. He's promised that he will build us, that we will not lose, we will not fail. He's promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against us.